Welcome to Beauty and the Ghee, the podcast about jujitsu and so much more. I'm Jen Eads, a blue belt full of curiosity and questions about jujitsu and so, so much more. And I'm AJ Clearman, a Brazilian jujitsu black belt obsessed with jujitsu. I'm Jennifer Risser, a BJJ brown belt still trying to remember how to do the warm ups. <laughs> and we have a special guest. My name is Sarah Chamberlain. I am going to be an instructor at their 2024 role model women's only grappling camp. And I am a black belt out of uh, Stafford, Texas with Texas third coast MMA under professor Joe Solis. And I'm sorry, Rister, but I love warmups. So <laughs> maybe that's a requirement for my black belt. <laughs> yeah. Never getting there. <laughs> Just getting back to loving warmups. <laughs> back to right. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> so you say you love warmups. Why? Because you know, like there's some controversy over like people liking warmups and thinking they shouldn't do warm-ups at all. I think that warm-ups, especially like for, for, you know, when I'm teaching, I feel like it's going to help with whatever I'm teaching at the time. So whenever we're practicing in our warm-ups, we're not just doing warm-ups to do warm-ups. I'm doing it because we're going to use that same movement. And I believe that the only way to really master a movement is by doing it over and over and over. And I know that sometimes people, they're, they get bored and they say, oh, you know, why do I have to do, you know, the shrimp a million times? And it's like, well, how often do you shrimp whenever you're, whenever you're trying to escape or whenever you're trying to move or in guard retention? So I believe that, you know, those movements are our fundamental movements that we're going to use in everything that we do. I agree. I mean, just not for me. (laughs) (laughs) I I often don't do warm-ups just in regular classes, but we recently started a 6 a.m. class and I've been doing the warm-ups in those because like my body doesn't move at six in the morning. <laughs> and doesn't it feel good? Uh, oh yeah. Jen is skipping, so she's doing great. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I'm just the blue belt doing the warm-ups, loving life at 6 a.m. <laughs> she really is the sunshine, just jumping around. <laughs> Truly. We needed her energy for that. (laughs) Sarah, how did you get started in jujitsu? I started actually by doing a women's self-defense seminar, actually. So my professor um, had had one. It was around like holiday time. And um, I think he was just, you know, trying to get more women kind of prepared of your, you know, and be aware of your surroundings. And so I went with one of my friends and we really enjoyed it. We ended up making like a whole girl's day out of it. So we're like, yeah, we'll go beat each other up and then we'll go, you know, get coffee and go see a movie and go to the mall. You know, we just, we really loved the, the whole vibe at the gym. We loved the professors that were teaching. They seemed like they really, what they were talking about, they really cared about, you know, their, the people that were there. And so, you know, it was getting close to like the new year's resolution time. So we said, Hey, what if we start doing self-defense classes. So we actually started with um, Jeet Kune Do and Kali. And I had been doing that for a couple of months. And then my professor came to me and he said, you know, you're doing really good with JKD, but what are you going to do if you get knocked to the ground? And I said, I don't know. <laughs> um, so, uh, so I started, so I started doing uh, jujitsu, but I was doing more nogi, kind of like the self-defense nogi aspect of jujitsu. 
And I had been doing it for a few months. And then my professor came to me and he said, hey, I want you to try a competition. And I was like, I don't know. And he was like, listen, if you hate it, you never have to do it again, but I just want you to try it. And so I gave it a try. And my first competition that I ever had was a submission only nogi, which is very intense. And so did that, fell in love with it. He knew what he was doing too. He absolutely knew what he was doing and he got me hooked. (laughs) And so then, so then of course I started, you know, just continuing after that. And then I started competing regularly. I started the gi, which I know no gears are like, they're dying inside because they're like, why would you go to gi? But I used to love Nogi. Um, I feel like I'm more of a gi person myself, but I think it's also because Nogi, I feel, has become more of the young man's game or young gal's game. And I don't, I'm not as young and spry as I used to be. So I get that. Sometimes I still think I can wrestle and my next sort of day, I'll tell you that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) That wrestling, like, Getting down and back up. It's like, man, that's a lot of work. <laughs> I did get that. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So if you could look back at that white belt self, do you have any advice for your younger, you know, fresher self? Tap early and tap often. And don't try to necessarily work through injuries sometimes. Sometimes it's good to take, you know, that those rest days or, you know, People think rest day, they think, oh, I just am going to be sitting on the couch, you know, eating bonbons, but it's really more than that. And I've had to, I've really had to learn that uh, recently for um, those that don't know me necessarily. They probably remember me from camp. I was the one sitting off on the side with my little knee brace because I had had ACL surgery two weeks before camp. And so, yes, it was rough being able to see everybody else train and have a good time, but it was still, it's still enriching to be able to be there and be a part of it. And it also forced me to really focus on my recovery and focus on my physical therapy and my rehab. And I think because I, I put all of my energy that I was putting into jujitsu, I put it into my rehab. I was actually cleared by my surgeon a lot earlier than most people get cleared. So, and I do, you know, have to attribute it also to the fact that my husband is a physical therapist assistant and that, that probably helped along the way as well. <laughs> we have people contact us, you know, every year that say, you know, Hey, I can't come because I sprained my wrist or, you know, hurt my elbow or anything, you know, like whatever I'm it pregnant. is. Uh, yeah. 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 <laughs> um, and you're one of the examples that I use for that, right? Like that, you, you still came even in like a full knee brace, you weren't able to do anything, but you still got a lot out of camp. Would you, would you say that or like, I, at least that's how I took it. <laughs> um, but would you say that you still got a lot, even though you couldn't participate? Oh, for sure. Even like from like learning something. I, and I always, I, you know, I come every year with my, with my teammate and my, my friend, Danielle, and she's actually the one that kind of put me on to role model camp. But uh, I always, you know, we always talk about it. We always learn something new, I feel, every single year, whether it's something from the workshops or and it may even be just a small portion of whatever one of the instructors taught during the seminars. I'm adding that to my game. I'm adding that to my life. Um, so I feel like even though I was, you know, sidelined, I still learned so much. And I also recorded all of the sessions. So then, you know, I could, you know, whenever I did come back on the mat, I could sneak attack 
people with with the moves that I learned. (laughs) I love that. Isn't that why we go to camp? (laughs) Truly. Of course. Learn Learn all the cool moves. Yeah. We don't teach the people that didn't go to camp for weeks. Oh, yeah. Yep. Learn all the cool moves and then use them on people for about six months before you teach them to someone else. Oh, uh, of course. Of course. <laughs> yeah. We knew. We knew. Oh, yeah. Well, and and what, what I think is nice, too, is that whenever we're learning something in camp, we always are talking. We're always saying, oh, uh, our teammate uh, Ashley would really enjoy this move or our other teammate Vanessa, she would really enjoy this. Like she would really learn something from this. And so we like to be able to kind of bring that stuff back home to our own uh, teammates and our own girls. So it's definitely, you know, it, it's definitely been enriching for us, even though, you know, you can say, Oh, well, you know, you're not learning anything new, but you really do. You learn something new every single time we come. And I, I also think that sometimes you know, maybe we've learned it before, but it was five years ago or a decade ago or so, you know, like sometimes we see something and we're like, you know, I forgot I used to do that. You know, like that used to be part of my game. And like, so it's kind of a nice refresher sometimes, especially at, you know, like the higher levels of brown and black belt, you see that and you're like, oh yeah, I should, I should put that back in my game. I liked when I did that. Yeah. Or like seminars we attended or camps we attended when we were white or blue, we'll pull out that notebook years later and be like, what was that again? I think I could do that now. (laughs) Yeah, right. that's very true. <laughs> right. So I'm hearing yes. there's hope. There's hope. Mm-hmm. There's yes, hope. There's okay, as long as your notes are decent. Otherwise, it's chaos. <laughs> <laughs> I think there's a lot of chaos in my notebook. We play a game of you say the words and I'll do the moves and we'll see what happens. It's very helpful because sometimes yeah. reading it, you're like, I don't know what I'm saying. But, you know, like if you have two people that just like do the words you're saying, it's like, oh, that made sense. That's what I must have meant. <laughs> yeah. I I got smart and I started recording. I just clear up a bunch of space and I start recording because I've realized my notes look like a crazy person wrote them. Um, My notes look a lot like my recipes that I write. It's all over the place. Nobody can follow them. So, and even I'm going back like saying, why did I say that? But yeah, so it makes way more sense whenever I'm going back and actually watching the videos. Yeah. How many role model camps have you been to? I have been to five. My first one was in 2019 and that was right after, cause I really wanted to go in 2018 cause we had, it was Danielle and then a bunch of our other girls, they all drove up and I wasn't able to go. I had just had a baby like not long before. And I was kind of weary about being, you know, out of state away from her. But the next year I was like, you know what? I'm going, nothing's going to stop me. And I also have a very, very supportive husband. And so he was like, yeah, go. Like, I, I want you to be able to, you know, enjoy this. I go, go just have a good time. Don't worry about, you know, us. Like we'll be, we'll be fine. And so, um, we actually drove the first year that I came up, we drove and I think it was like 20 hours or 21 hours driving. Now we did stop along the way. We stopped coming up and coming back, but it was a long drive. And we realized that we are a little bit more bougie than we thought. So we fly now. (laughs) (laughs) I can appreciate that. (laughs) Yeah. 
I love that you guys have like your little (laughs) Sunday night ritual and stuff like that too. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. We always have our Sunday night ritual because we always come in uh, the Thursday before and then we leave the Monday of or the Monday after camp is over. And our ritual is we always go out to eat. And usually we'll take dessert to go and then we'll come back to the hotel and we will watch a scary movie. And I make Danielle watch scary movies with me because she does not like them, but we watch them anyways. (laughs) I love that. That's awesome. Yeah. I enjoy staying Sunday night. It's a nice time to like just decompress and, you know, just kind of hang out with everybody. And, um, you know, it's a big weekend. So you kind of like talk about all the stuff that happened and I don't know, it's, I enjoy staying Sunday night and kind of bonding a little further with everyone so plus the happy hour and the happy hour yeah so if you haven't been to camp for anyone that hasn't been to camp before uh the hotel that we are at does a happy hour from like five to seven and they used to just do uh, drinks like you just got drinks during that time now they give you two drink tickets per day that you're there i think um but because we were the last ones there on sunday like you know there's probably 20 of us everybody was bringing their drink tickets. So there was no shortage for anyone that wanted drinks. (laughs) Oh, I was going to say for sure. So whenever we were there, there was a big group of us kind of all just hanging out together and people just kept bringing me drinks and bringing my teammate drink, Danielle drinks. And we were having a great time. We didn't feel no pain. (laughs) So I love that, like, you know, when Rissa and I were talking about who we wanted to teach at this next camp, um, one of the things that was important to us was that, you know, it was a homegrown role model, you know, like that it's somebody that's been to several of our camps, knows our vibe, knows, you know, exactly who we are. And um, so it meant a lot to be able to bring you in, you know, to us, it meant a lot to have a role model leading the way up there. So I'm so excited that you're doing this. Do you have any, you don't have to tell us what you're teaching yet, but like, what's your game like? What do you enjoy doing? One thing that a lot of people, it might be considered controversial, but I like to actually work from bad positions. I like to start in bad positions because it's not always going to be a perfect scenario. It's going to be worst case scenario sometimes. And I, for my, for myself, you know, whenever I was competing, you know, I would cut down to the next weight class, but there would be no women. So I would either go against women that outweighed me by a good 50 to 60 pounds, or I would go against guys. And so it's, you know, it's just what it is. And so I had to get very comfortable with being on bottom and I did not like being on bottom. I hated being on bottom. All of my game was always trying to stay on top, trying to pass, trying to, you know, just submit from top. But I realized, you know, as I was progressing, I said, you know, I don't like to work. And people would ask me as I was, you know, becoming a higher rank and stuff. People would ask me, oh, well, how do you escape from here? And I was like, I don't know. Like, go ask somebody else. But, uh, but no, but as you know, I, I realized that I need to be able to one, work more efficiently from the bottom because of other reasons, but I need to, I need to be comfortable there. And I think one of the biggest compliments that I got, it was right after I got my black belt, I was still like a crispy new black belt. And I went with one of my teammates, we went to go cross train and it was with a bunch of other black belt men. Um, And one of the biggest compliments that I got was, it was a guy that probably outweighed me by a good 40 to 50 pounds. And he said, you know what? When I was on top, he's like, you were moving 
so fluidly. Like you never felt like, I never felt like you were struggling or you were, you were ever felt like you were in danger. Like you were just moving the whole time. Like it it was like, I couldn't stay on top of you. And I was like, oh, thanks. (laughs) Um, (laughs) But you know, yeah, yeah. It's just a little pat on the back, but, uh, that was really one of the biggest compliments to me. And so, you know, I, I try to carry that with, you know, whenever I'm working with somebody who is bigger than me or smaller than me, um, you know, I, I'm always trying to teach how to be the most efficient as possible. And that's partly because, um, so I, I have a history of, I know that you've had a history of, back issues, AJ. And, um, I found out a couple of years ago that my back issues weren't, Oh, you just have an achy back. It was that you have, uh, that I was, I was diagnosed in 2021 with degenerative disc disease. So it really forced me to change my game. It forced me up. (laughs) It forced me to be more efficient with my movement and, that's really what I've carried on for how I teach. You know, I want to make sure that, you know, everybody's safe because I have, you know, whenever I was coming up, I didn't really think about my safety. I was this, you know, young kid coming in and I really was a kid. I was 17 whenever I started training. And so I had, you know, no real responsibilities. I had my whole life ahead of me. So I was like, I'm not going to tap to that arm bar. I'm not going to tap to that choke. Have I been put to sleep? Yes. Um, I would not recommend it, but, but that's what I, you know, I'm, I'm very detail oriented and I know some people they can get lost in detail, but I feel like the details that I'm showing, everybody has always said to me, Oh, I appreciate that little detail. That's what helped me. That's what was missing. That's that puzzle piece that was missing. So again, I'm very detail oriented and I like, I need to be as efficient as possible. So I like to work from bad positions Um, I show, I I usually start a lot of things from bad positions and working out of them to get to a better position. And then I also really like to do series. So things that build off of one another and building off of different reactions. I love that. I do too. That's great. Tell us a little bit about your teaching these days. I did have to take a little bit of a hiatus because of my knee. So kind of stepping away from jujitsu a little bit and more focusing on my rehab. But um, I am now with the new year started and I have been cleared with restrictions to come back to jujitsu. So um, I do teach at Third War Jiu-Jitsu also, as well as my home gym, Texas Third Coast MMA. And both classes are, the classes that I'm teaching are co-ed women-led classes. Um, we did have women only classes for a while and I, and I have nothing against women only classes. I know that there is a time and a place for them. And I usually, like I, I know that I attend, you know, like women's only open mats and I've gone to women's only classes myself, but we wanted to at third ward and at third at Texas third coast, we want to normalize women being at the front and being in lead positions Um, so teaching both sexes, you know, it doesn't matter whether the person that is in front is male black belt or female black belt. Um, so just normalizing it. Tell us more about what, um, third ward is. So third ward is a LGBTQ, LGBTQ friendly (laughs) gym. It is a non-for-profit. They were looking for, uh, voluntary positions at the time. And so I'm 
saw the opportunity and, you know, I, I love to teach. And so, um, reached out to, uh, Sarah Degar. She's one of the owners at third ward and just love their message. Loved, you know, they're, they're giving back to the community. It is in a lower socioeconomic area, but I think, you know, being able to bring jujitsu to that community, I think it's important, you know, being able to, and making it affordable also for all of their, you know, all of their clientele. And then I've also done um, like privates with them as well with some of their students. Um, so that's, that's been nice too. It's been, it's been a journey. I think it's a really cool mission that Third Ward has. Um, I know in the past, Sarah has said that they take donations because they provide gear for people. Is that something that you guys still take? Yes. And actually, um, I know that we're, I think we're set really on kids skis, um, but we're always looking for, especially to be, you know, body inclusive. Um, so looking for, you know, larger sizes for geese, really uh, belts are also another big thing. I know every time, every time I get a new gi, I always make sure that it's got that free white belt that's in there so I can bring it to the gym. So if anybody has, and they, you can mail in geese, you can um, reach out to them, but you can reach out to them with, at uh, thirdwarjujitsu.com. Cool. Very cool. You mentioned that you didn't come to camp in 2018 because you had just had a baby. Can you tell us a little bit about your experience of doing jujitsu and being pregnant and, you know, how all that went? So it didn't really go at all, um, unfortunately. Um, so I was, uh, which is fine. Yeah. Yeah. Which, which is fine, which is fine, which I know like lots of people, they say, oh, you know, I want to train as long as I can. There are some that say, you know what, I'm going to take a step back, you know, especially if, if it's considered a high risk pregnancy, which mine was considered. And so I ended up being diagnosed at six or I started symptoms at six weeks and then I was officially diagnosed at 14 weeks with hyperemesis gravidium. And for those that are not aware, it is morning sickness on roids. Um, it is really rough and it's, it's not just morning sickness. It's all day, um, all day, every day. I literally started throwing up at six weeks and did not stop until I gave birth. And for some it's, it's not that bad. And for some it's really, really bad. So for me, I ended up having to get infusions for like two months, like 20, I had nurses come to my house and I had to have infusions. I was on five different anti-nausea medications and I was still, I still couldn't keep anything down. So for me, I, I didn't really have the opportunity to still train whenever I was pregnant and coming back was not what I had expected originally. I think coming back to it, um, during my right after I had my daughter, like two weeks after I had my daughter, I started having gallbladder issues. And so my original intention of coming back into jujitsu, I said, okay, I'm mentally preparing myself. I'm going to get back on the mats. It's going to be like nothing changed, but a lot of things changed. And so, you know, I think the, what is it like six weeks after having a baby, you can get back on the mats. Well, you know, two weeks in, I ended up having to get my gallbladder out. And so that was an additional, you know, four to six weeks on top of that. So it's kind of like, okay, now it, it kind of threw a wrench into things and it's a hurdle that I wasn't necessarily expecting. And for me, it was hard. I would make excuses. I would tell my husband, oh, I'm, I'm just too tired. Like, I don't want to go back in. And, you know, I, I'm like, oh, I'm exhausted from dealing with the baby all day and 
just trying to make excuses. But my husband said to me, he said, listen, I will make myself available. Okay. You, you can go in and train. You can go sit in a room for an hour by yourself without having to worry about a a screaming, crying baby. But I want you to know that I support you in whatever your decision is. So if you want to go use that time to go train or even just go work out or whatever, go for a walk, whatever, it's up to you. And that's when, you know, I realized that it was no amount of other people telling me, oh, hey, when are you going to come back in? Or, hey, you should come back in. It was, I had to get over that hurdle. And it was myself. It was my own personal hurdle that I built that I needed to break down. And I remember the first night that I came back in uh, and my, and my professors, they're so, they're so great. They really are. Um, they're so understanding of everybody, whether you're coming back from pregnancy, injuries, anything, they're so understanding. They say, you know, take your time, go at your own pace. Like don't, you know, don't feel pressured that you have to come back and give a hundred percent. And I remember coming home the first night I came back from training and I bawled my eyes out. I cried like a big old baby. (laughs) And my husband said, well, he's like, you know, there's, there's going to be hard days, but you know, do you have the, do you have the willpower to be able to push past that? And I think that that was really eye opening to me. And I realized that I needed to push myself. No amount of anybody else pushing me in was going to get me in the gym. I needed to come to that decision that why did I fall in love with jujitsu? Why did I start jujitsu? And I needed to remember why I did, why I loved it so much. And I think that's what really helped me get back into the gym and get back into, you know, just the rep of things. And then having, you know, not also not worrying that my, you know, my husband is going to burn down the house and something will happen to our kid. Like that was another fear that I had, which he is a great dad. Like, I don't know why I have like all these fears and stuff, but, um, but yeah, like everything was fine. I came back, the house wasn't burned down. My baby was happy and asleep in her crib. Like it was, it was great. But I think I just needed to get over that hurdle myself. Definitely. And I, think that it's really great that you did because it just shows women that, you know, you can be off the mat. It shows everyone, but you know, like women are the ones typically getting pregnant. Right. Um, so it shows that you can take this time off and still come back and still end up getting your black belt. The mats always welcome you back. It doesn't matter how long it takes. Like it's your journey and there's going to be some ebbs and flows. There's going to be times when you don't really feel like going and you have to remind yourself the reasons of why you enjoy going, why you love jujitsu and finding that love again for it. And I think that's fantastic. You're almost always glad you went, even yep. if you didn't want to go. Oh yeah, of course. One of my favorite posts that comes up on my, like on this day was like a day that I was like, I do not want to train. I'm not going to stay. I'm so tired. And then I see Risser coming in and I was like, crap, I'm going to train. And then <laughs> when we get done training, she was like, I was, she was like, I was not going to come in today. Um, but I came in because of you. And I was like, I didn't want to train, but then you were here. And we both were so glad we did it, but neither one of us wanted to. <laughs> Sarah, where can people find you? Like, do you post on Instagram or TikTok or anything like that? I do have social media. I really don't post up anything. The most that I'll post up is maybe on like Facebook and you'll see my family. That's about it. 
And my, my girls at the gym give me so much crap about not posting anything on Instagram, but I do have Instagram so people can reach out to me. So I told them like, it's for, you know, networking, but not for me to post on. But I always say every year, I'm like, oh, I'm going to post something this year. And I, and I never do. And that's been like five years running now. So we'll see. Maybe this year will be the year. <laughs> so where can they reach out to you on Instagram? Say, it's say roar, but it's S-A underscore R-O-A-R. And then you can also find me on Facebook, uh, Sarah Chamberlain. Excellent. You can find me on Instagram at... Jay Riz in the his. I'm hanging out at Brassy Broad Jen on Instagram and TikTok. And you can also find the podcast at Beauty in the Gee Podcast on Instagram. And we love to hear from you. So message us there. I'm AJ Clearman. Everywhere you go, um, we do have a camp Instagram, which is Role Model Grappling. Um, there's also a private Facebook group for any women that want to be in that. Um, it's role model grappling women's only camp. I don't know. It's something. It's very long like that. Um, But if you want to be in the private group, please request and answer the questions and we can add you to that for any other announcements for camp. Aren't you not AJ Clareman on TikTok though? Aren't you role model? That's true. Yeah. I'm role underscore model, I think on TikTok and I'm trying to get to a thousand uh, followers. So if you're on TikTok, please follow me. I'm at like 311 now. We've gained like nine in the new year. <laughs> hey, I, I was listening on Spotify and I said, oh, I haven't rated uh, the uh, Beauty and the Gay podcast and I don't have role model as a friend on TikTok. So I went and did that. I went and did both. Made sure. Excellent. So Thank, you. Thank you. We appreciate you so much. <laughs> Now everyone follows Sarah's That's lead right. and go do the same thing. <laughs> yes. All right. Well, we look forward to having you out at women's camp again, of course, but um, having you teach and lead the way for us. All right, friends. Thanks for tuning in and we will see you on, on the, the mat. mat. Beauty and the Gee is a production of the Brassy Broadcasting Company. And brought to you by Role Model Grappling. <laughs>